There was a rich man who was dressed in purple and fine linen and lived in luxury every day. At his gate was laid a beggar named Lazarus, covered with sores and longing to eat what fell from the rich man's table. Even the dogs came and licked his sores. The time came when the beggar died and the angels carried him to Abraham's side. The rich man also died and was buried. In Hades, where he was in torment, he looked up and saw Abraham far away with Lazarus by his side. So he called to him, Father Abraham, have pity on me and send Lazarus to dip the tip of his finger in water and cool my tongue because I'm in agony in this fire. But Abraham replied, Son, remember that in your lifetime you received your good things, while Lazarus received bad things. But now he is comforted here, and you are in agony. And besides all this, between us and you, a great chasm has been set in place, so that those who want to go from here to you cannot, nor can anyone cross over from there to us. He answered, Then I beg you, Father, send Lazarus to my family, for I have five brothers. Let him warn them so that they will not also come to this place of torment. Abraham replied, They have Moses and the prophets. Let them listen to them. No, Father Abraham, he said, but if someone from the dead goes to them, they will repent. He said to him, If they do not listen to Moses and the prophets, they will not be convinced even if someone rises from the dead. Sweet. Well, that's uh, our passage for this morning. Uh, but before I get into it, let me introduce myself. My name is Chris. I'm a member of uh, the congregation here at Trinity. Uh, been here for just coming up to four years now. Um, so it's a, a real pleasure to be able to, um, yeah, after four years here, be able to open up God's word with you. Um, and I do just want to say thank you um, to you guys as a church family. Um, I've felt so loved, so um, supported, so invested in over these past four years. Um, I know the church and um, some of you individually have been um, giving to me this past year as I've worked with the Christian unions um, in ministry and I'm so so grateful for yeah all your support, all your prayers. Um, so yeah, it is a real privilege to be able to um, open up God's word um, with you today. Um, and we really are um, going right in at the deep end uh, with this passage. If you, you fell asleep during the old reading, um, you're going to be in for a bit of a surprise um, during the old sermon. Because, um, yeah, we don't, we don't really beat around the bush here. Um, you're getting more than you bargained for if you came for a nice little uh, Sunday, Sunday morning relaxation. Um, that's just the pre-warning out the way. Um, but yes, um, into this passage. There is a lot, there is a lot going on here. Um, there is a lot we could talk about. Um, but I just want to be really simple. I just want to approach this really simply. Um, and I'm really delighted that the, the passage Justin actually chose for confession. Um, let me just remind you of that, what that was. It was, unless the Lord builds the house, the builders labor in vain. Um, and I guess the big question I want us to think about this morning is, what are you building your life on? Um, what um, are you trusting in? Uh, what are you pursuing in life to give you Life, happiness, success. Um, what are you building your life on? Um, that's the big question we want to think about um, over the next uh, 30 minutes this morning. Um, and that's what we're going to be looking at at this passage. Um, 
So, yeah, and I think this passage, just to sort of lay out where we're going to go, this passage gives us three ways um, we can build our lives, three things we can pursue in life, put our trust in uh, to save us. Two, which end in tragedy, um, but the third one, which ends in life, abundant life, uh, to the full. So that's where we're going. That's the roadmap. Um, let's, let's get cracking. Um, now, a few weeks ago, I was on holiday um, in Amsterdam. Um, if you haven't been, beautiful city. Um, would really recommend beautiful architecture, great canals. Um, but I remember one thing I was struck by. Um, one thing I was struck by was the people there. Um, it's, yeah, it's an amazing city, um, brilliant architecture. But as I was just spending a bit of time there, I was just struck by how well-dressed everyone was in Amsterdam. Like, genuinely, you haven't been. Like, it's remarkable. No one was missing a beat. Um, and maybe I was slightly affected by the fact that I was there on holiday with my flatmate Sam, and he's not exactly renowned for his sense of style. <laughs> um, so maybe I was feeling a bit self-conscious in that sense. Um, but genuinely, everyone um, was fantastically well-dressed. Um, it was almost like everyone had been starred in the uh, fashion of James Leverton. Um, I mean, <laughs> genuinely, when I walked in this morning, I was like, wow, James, those glasses. Um, but anyway, it was, it was remarkable. Um, and alongside James, I would probably consider myself someone who at least uh, looks at the mirror before I go out, um, tries to dress at least half decently. Um, but the longer I spent there, as I said, the more self-conscious I got, um, the more I started actually thinking about what I was going to put on in the morning. Um, and I actually became slightly envious, in a way. Um, I was a bit like, snap, I really wish I was um, dressed as cool as, as that guy, or um, looked as um, yeah, looked as stylish as that woman. Um, and I became just self-aware of how easily my heart uh, could become yeah, very uh, inclined towards um, materialism. Um, and as I thought about that more broadly, I was just thinking about yeah, how our culture is just so in, in, in not only infected, um, but so full um, of a materialistic mentality. Um, whether we want to wear the nicest clothes, eat the best food, drink the uh, finest wine, or all three at the same time, um, if we could help it. Um, so many of us live as if we are building our lives on the pursuit of material good, uh, uh, the pursuit of money, clothes, food, homes, uh, you name it. Um, put simply, we pursue possessions. That's what we build our lives on. Um, and that is the first thing this passage shows us um, that we can build our lives on. Um, read with me from the start. There was a rich man who was dressed in purple and fine linen. He lived in luxury every day. This is a guy whose life consisted in the abundance of his possessions. Um, a man who's dressed well and who eats well. Um, in fact, he doesn't simply dress well. He's dressed in purple. He's dressed in the richest robes. Um, he's wearing fine linen, um, which, yeah, is a technical term um, which they think refers uh, to Egyptian imported linen that you would use for your underwear. Um, this is a guy who is he's really dressed well, um, even the bits you can't see. Um, and he's feasting He's living in luxury every day. Um, another translation of that could be he feasted sumptuously every day. There's no Sabbath, there's no rest. Uh, this is total and complete c 
consumption. Um, now life seems pretty good for this guy, right? Uh, he seems to be sort of chugging along quite nicely. Um, and yet when we reach verse 22, the inevitable happens. Um, the end of verse 22, the rich man also died and was buried. Now it's at this point that I could trot out that famous line that I don't even know who, who said it, but that my dad sometimes says to me, the only thing certain in life are death and taxes. Um, I won't do that, but um, the point being, death, it happens, um, this man dies, all that wealth, all that food, all those clothes, they're gone. Um, it's, pretty, it's pretty sobering. Um, and it seems an obvious point to make right at the start of the sermon, but possessions can't save you from death. Uh, we, all, we all know that, we're all intimately aware of that. Um, and yet, here in, here in the West, here in, um, in Oxford, um, I would say it seems we've made peace with that fact. Um, fair, possessions can't save us from death, but who cares? They can save us in life, right? Um, look at the life of the rich man compared to that of Lazarus. Um, the rich man is dressed in purple. Lazarus is clothed with swords. Um, the rich man feasts sumptuously every day. The rich man desires to be fed with the things that fell from his table. Um, the rich man is comforted by all his possessions. Lazarus is only comforted um, from the dogs who come and lick his sores. Um, whose, ra- whose life would you, would you rather live? Um, I, know, I know who I choose. Um, and yet, as we said in verse 22, the movie doesn't end. Um, there's just a scene change, isn't there? Um, Verse 22, the time came when the beggar died and the angels carried him to Abraham's side. The rich man also died and was buried. And he was in Hades where he was in torment. It's at this point where if you had an audio book, you'd cue the dramatic music. Um, it's, quite, it's quite dramatic, isn't it? Um, and yet, incredibly soberingly, um, this passage, um, God and his word, is claiming that this is um, reality. Um, now at this point some of you might be like, really? Like, um, heaven, hell, isn't that, isn't that a bit medieval? Um, all those flames, um, aren't, we, aren't we a bit over that? Um, after all, isn't this a parable? Isn't this a, this a story? Um, yeah, it's, it's, got a, it's got a meaning, but this isn't, this isn't literal. Um, and yes, this is a parable. This is not a literal description of life after death. Um, but in the same way that the lives of the rich man and Lazarus affect, um, reflect the real lives of um, people here on earth, um, their differing fates, where they end up, reflect real fates, real destinies um, after death. Um, saying this is a parable doesn't actually make um, it any more sobering. In fact, it makes it even more so. Um, life with God um, is far better than just feasting at Abraham's side with God, although that, that seems pretty great in this parable. Um, yet life without God, um, life after death without God, is far worse um, than what the experience, the rich man experiences here um, in Hades in this parable. Um, life without God is far worse than the experience that this rich man um, has in Hades. And it's at this point that we might as well uh, uh, bite the bullet, jump straight to the question that we're all asking. Um, 
why? Why is the rich man um, in Hades? And how can I avoid it? Um, well, he's not there because he was rich. Uh, that's, that's the first thing to get in our heads. He's not there because he was rich. Why do I say that? Um, well, once the rich man is in Hades, um, in verse 23, he's there, he's in torment. He looked up and he sees Abraham. Um, and we know that Abraham, a guy from the Old Testament, he was a pretty rich geezer. Um, he was pretty, he had a lot of, lot of possessions. Um, yeah. So it doesn't make sense to say that the rich man is where he is because he's rich. Um, why then is the rich man there? Well, I think it's because he's selfish, right? Um, let's read, let's look closely at the parable again. Um, verse 19, there was a rich man. Verse 20, at his gate was laid a beggar named Lazarus. Um, this was a guy who was abundantly rich and had the power to help Lazarus, had the power. He walked past him every day. Uh, he walked past him at his gate. He was abundantly rich and he had the power to alleviate Lazarus' suffering. Um, and yet, he didn't. He was selfish. Um, he was abundantly rich, but he failed to be generous with his riches. He failed to be sacrificial. Um, and it seems that that is why he is where he is. Um, the rich man didn't love his neighbor. Um, those two uh, commands from Jesus, love the Lord your God and love your neighbor. And the rich man didn't love his neighbor, and that reflected the fact that he had a heart that didn't love God. Um, and that's why he is where he is. The rich man perpetuated injustice, um, and God brings justice. Uh, it really is as simple as that. Um, and when we think about God's justice, I think it can be, it can be tempting to, to think that God's justice is um, bad news. I know I've been really challenged by this. Um, when I was reading this passage, I was thinking, man, like, the idea of God bringing justice, that's a pretty unpalatable truth. Um, but the more I thought about it, the more I was like, what does that say about me? Um, because the fact of the matter is, a God who doesn't bring justice, a God who doesn't care when people... Um, are put in places of extreme poverty, like Lazarus, a guy who doesn't care um, at the plight of the people we've been praying for, those in Ukraine at the moment, a God who doesn't care at, uh, about victims um, of like, racial or uh, sexual um, abuse. Um, a God who doesn't care about that is not a God worth worshipping. Um, a God who doesn't care about that is not a God worth worshipping. Um, and so it is good news that God cares about justice. And when you think about it, justice is only bad news um, if you're on the side of the oppressor. Justice is only bad news if you are someone um, who has done wrong, if you are someone who is oppressing. Um, so if we come to this passage and we're like, wow, God, a God of justice, I'm not, I'm not sure about that. Um, as I did when I came to this passage first. Um, let's just think, what does that say about about us? Um, what does that say about how we see ourselves? Um, don't trust um, in possessions. That's the, that's the big first point. Don't trust in possessions. They're not evil in themselves, um, but make them the God of your life, construct your life around them, um, and fail to be generous and sacrificial in all you do. Um, and all you're doing is making a hell for others now, um, and a hell for yourself later. Um, there's a reason 
Jesus goes into such detail about the fate of Lazarus. Um, it's really hard to reason it. He's covered with sores. He's longing to eat what fell from the rich man's table. It's sometimes hard to believe in the reality of hell. Um, but what Lazarus is in when he's living life, when he's begging, when he's with sores, that's hell. Um, his life is a hell. Um, and so we can't, we can't jump around um, the reality of it. Um, this passage wants to scream out to us, turn away from your reliance on possessions, turn away from selfishness and self-obsession. Um, they lead only to death and a place of torment and anguish, separate from God and from the previous life and the good things that we can enjoy there. So that's the first thing we can build our lives on, material goods, material possessions. Um, if we're lucky enough to have it, it will last for a while. Um, it might help in life, um, but they won't last into life after death. The second thing that I think this story shows us we can build our life on, we can put our trust in, is religion um, or religious upbringing. Um, notice the first words out of the rich man's mouth once he is in Hades. Um, verse 23, um, or verse 24. So, the, so he called to him, Father Abraham, have pity on me. Um, Abraham, the founding father of the Jewish nation, is present above. Um, the rich man's looking up and he's like, Father Abraham, have mercy on me. Now I'm no longer an Oxford student. Um, praise God. <laughs> Sorry, all those students who are still here. <laughs> but I can remember the termly ritual of Oxford Union elections. Um, now, for, for those of you who, who don't know or aren't familiar with the Oxford Union, it's basically this, um, well, so-called prestigious uh, debating club um, that's, yeah, part of the university. And every term, there's a big election, a big democratic election, to vote in the committee members. Um, and yeah, it's kind of a big deal, uh, or so I'm told, um, particularly for those running to be on committee. Um, and yeah, it is, it is, a, it is a great, um, a great club and it's a great thing um, to want to be a part of. Um, but what was funny was that every term as a student, um, around election time, I'd just be going about my business, living my life, submitting essays, um, doing what university students do. And I receive a message on my phone um, from someone who, to be honest, I barely knew existed. Um, it was always someone I literally had barely ever met. Um, and it would go something like this. Hey, Chris, um, my guy, how's it going? Wondering if you could help a brother out and spare me a vote in the union elections. <laughs> Big love, kiss. Um, to which I would be completely baffled. Um, to be honest, I'd be like, fair play. Like, I'm... I'm surprised this guy actually knows my name. Um, this was the same guy who wouldn't even speak to me in the lunch line, um, who wouldn't say hi in the, the laundry room. Um, and here he is asking me to help a brother out. Um, I think I don't need to tell you um, whether he got my vote or not. <laughs> and what's funny is this happened every term. Someone different um, would pop into the, the messages. Um, the point is, the behavior of the rich man here it's actually kind of similar. Um, if you want to sort of translate it into modern English, you could say, yo, Abe, my guy, you able to help a brother out? Um, the rich man presumed that because he was a Jew, because he was a member 
um, of God's chosen people, um, he presumed that because Abraham was his father, he'd be fine. Um, he didn't realize that a religious heritage, a religious inheritance, was not a real marker of a God-based identity. He could call Abraham his father all he wanted, but if he didn't live life like Abraham had, if he didn't trust God, um, live in accordance with what God wanted, um, then, that, then his status, his status as a Jew, his status as a member of God's chosen people, meant very little. Um, now some of you might be sitting here and you're like, Chris, like, you've gone pretty hard here. Give the guy a break. Like, he's, he's in Hades, like, he's in hell, he's suffering. And here you are, going on at him for calling Abraham his father. Like, come on, can't he just catch a break? Um, to which I would reply, no. <laughs> and the reason being, um, when we look, we read, we've read this passage from Luke's Gospel, it's Luke chapter 16. Um, in Luke chapter 3, uh, which uh, if you have a Bible, it would be useful to, to turn to now. Um, we have the start of the, start of the book um, of Luke, we have the prologue. And those of you who know your um, history of uh, the, yeah, um, first century um, Palestine, we'll know that before Jesus comes, there's a guy called John the Baptist, he is his cousin, um, who sort of goes and prepares the way, does a few speeches, um, gets the crowd hyped up for Jesus. Um, and what we see in Luke 3, if, you did, if you're turning with it, me to it now, is we see what John the Baptist says about um, the message that Jesus is going to preach. Um, this is Luke chapter 3, reading from verse 7. John the Baptist said, therefore, to the crowds that came out to be baptized by him, You brood of vipers, who warned you to flee from the wrath to come? Bear fruits in keeping with repentance. And this is the bit that's important. And do not begin to say to yourselves, We have Abraham as our father. For I tell you, God is able from these stones to raise up children for Abraham. Even now the axe is laid to the root of the trees. Every tree, therefore, that does not bear good fruit is cut down and thrown into the fire. Do not begin to say to yourselves, we have Abraham as our father. Throughout Luke's gospel, Jesus is talking against presumption. He's talking against the presumption of religious leaders, religious people, who assume that because of their religion, because of their identity as a Jew, that they are right with God. He's speaking against presumption. We saw that last week um, in the parable of the great banquet um, that Josh brought to us. Um, and what Jesus is saying in this parable, back, in, back to Luke 16 now, um, is that there, that state is that identity. You can't presume on it. Um, you can't presume on it. And there's an element of audacity to the rich man's cry, right? Um, not only does he address Abraham as his father, um, but he summons, he asks him to summon Lazarus. Um, that same Lazarus that he walked past every day. Um, that same Lazarus who suffered in torment while he feasted in luxury. Um, that same Lazarus that he had the power to help but didn't. Um, if I was Abraham, I wouldn't have responded um, very well. 
thankfully Abraham is, is much more gracious, um, even gentle. He calls the rich man child. Um, but you get the point. Um, we can identify as Christian. Um, we can, um, yeah, we can call ourselves Christians. Um, but if that's not impacting the way that we live, if it doesn't inspire us to um, pursue loving God and loving our neighbour, um, well, then this passage is saying that all that external and identitarian religion um, is worth very little. Um, being a Christian, being a child of God, is our fundamental identity, or it's nothing at all. Um, the Christian life bears fruit in express action and affections, um, or it isn't alive. Trusting in possessions didn't last. Um, we saw that a bit earlier. Trusting in religious identity doesn't deliver. Um, but what about the good news? What about the, the third way um, that we talked, or well, that we mentioned at the beginning? Um, well, for that, we're going to finally turn to Lazarus um, and his um, experience. Um, verse 22. The time came when Lazarus the beggar died, and the angels carried him to Abraham's side. Verse 23. Lazarus is reclining with Abraham. Um, Abraham up there, and Lazarus is by his side, um, reclining with him. In fact, a great reversal has taken place. Uh, what Lazarus experienced in this life, hunger, poverty, destitution, he now experiences the complete opposite of um, with Abraham. And what the rich man experienced in this life, Lazarus now experiences multiplied by a thousand. Um, Lazarus um, is in heaven. Um, now there's a danger when we hear a story like this. A story that goes, person A, the rich man, does something wrong, is selfish, isn't generous. The rich man, person A, fails to love God, love others, fails to live a morally upright life, and they end up away from God in a place of torment. There's a danger when we have a story like that, that we assume that the way to not end up where the rich man was, the way to end up with Abraham, um, is to do the exact opposite of what the rich man does. It's to love God and love our neighbour. It's to be really generous with the way we handle our possessions. It's to be self-sacrificial. Um, there's a danger that we think that that's the way that we get to be where Lazarus is. Um, and it's kind of tempting to think that way because... As soon as we start living that way, we can start building up a bit of a um, moral sense of righteousness, um, start feeling good about ourselves. We feel like we're achieving something. Um, problem with that is that what does Lazarus do to end up where he is? Um, the answer, absolutely nothing. In fact, it's remarkable just how little Lazarus does in the whole story. Um, Lazarus is a beggar. And he, but we don't hear him beg. We only hear him long. To, we only hear that he longs to eat with what fell from the rich man's table. Um, Lazarus can't even bring himself to the gate of the rich man. He is carried by others. Lazarus is laid there. Um, Lazarus doesn't comfort himself. 
dogs come and do it. Um, once in heaven with Abraham, Lazarus doesn't say a word. Um, Abraham speaks on his behalf. The complete lack of action of Lazarus, the complete silence of Lazarus, is really remarkable. Um, and so the question that we were forced to ask is why? Why does Lazarus end up where he is? Um, there's no explicit answer in the text. Jesus doesn't give a little explanation of this parable um, as he sometimes does with his others. Um, but we have one major clue, and that's Lazarus's name. Uh, now, out of all the characters in Jesus' parables, there's only one character which is named, and that's which is given a proper name, um, and that's, that's Lazarus. Um, and in the context of this parable, the fact that he is named stands in really sharp contrast to the complete anonymity of the rich man. Um, the name Lazarus is a Greek version um, of the Hebrew name Eleazar, which means God helps um, or God is my help. Lazarus's very name, his very identity is wrapped up in the fact that he is one whom God helps. And it may not seem like it in the first half of the story, right? Um, there's a guy who God helps and he's lying destitute on the street, begging. But after death, when the real substance of each person's life is revealed, um, while the rich man loses his riches to become a mere man, Lazarus retains his. It's interesting because up until verse 22, the rich man is referred to as the rich man. Um, the rich man did this, the rich man did that. But after verse 22, um, when the scene changes and we're in life after death, the rich man is no longer referred to as the rich man. Abraham calls him child. Um, and Jesus, when he's describing as the narrator of the parable, just talks about him as he. Um, the rich man's identity, his essence of his character, his title, is gone. Um, by contrast, Lazarus remains Lazarus. In fact, he remains Lazarus, and yet simultaneously he becomes so much greater, so much more beautiful, um, so much more alive. As his true status, his true riches are revealed. He is the one whom God has helped even when it didn't look like it, and he is manifestly and beautifully the one whom God helps um, once he enters life after death. And that's what it means to be a Christian, right? To trust not your material riches, not your possessions, not your religious um, or religion or your family identity. Um, it means to trust God, to trust him now um, and to trust him into eternity. If you're a Christian today, your name is Lazarus. Uh, you are one whom God helps. Um, and it might be that you're sitting here right now um, and you're going through immense suffering. Um, we prayed for the cost of living crisis. It might be that you're suffering financially, um, emotionally, um, bodily, um, all three. Life may, I don't know, um, but it may feel like hell for you right now. Um, let this passage tell you that you are Lazarus. Your name is Lazarus. Um, God helps you now, even if you don't see it. Um, and eventually his manifest help, his manifest mercy um, will make the pain and suffering of this world 
looked like light and momentary troubles. Um, that's what he promises in his word, and that's what this passage teaches. Um, three ways we can, we can live our lives, three things we can build our lives on. Possessions, um, religion, or religious identity, um, or on God. Um, unless the Lord builds the house, the builders labor um, in vain. Um, yeah, can I encourage um, you guys this morning um, to let God build your life, um, to take hold of that fact that you are one whom God helps. Um, let me finish with this. The story starts um, by describing a rich man and a poor man, um, someone immeasurably rich and someone unbelievably poor. Um, but there's another story that starts that way. Um, in fact, it's the great story. Um, it's the story of God's rescue of mankind. It's the story of Jesus, um, the one who's telling this parable. Um, Jesus, who didn't count riches um, in heaven, Jesus, who didn't count his um, fact that he was God himself, um, as something to be grasped, but instead gave it up. Um, Jesus became a man. Uh, he eventually became a limp, lifeless, hell-charred body of a man on a cross. Um, so that you, so that I, poor, destitute, broken people as we are, could call Jesus our brother and God our Father. Um, that's why we can trust him that's why we can know that God who helps us now will help us into eternity. Um, and because he didn't stay dead, that's why we can live it. Um, he who did not spare his own son, but gave him up for us all, how will he not also, along with him, graciously give us all things? Um, let me just close in prayer. Father, we just want to, yeah, still our hearts, we just want to quiet ourselves before you. Um, Father, we just pray that your spirit would just be, yeah, present, that it would just be comforting those of us who need to be comforted. Um, that it would just be challenging those of us who need to be challenged. Um, Father, we want to cry out to you that um, we are people whom you help. Um, Father, we want to we want you to build our lives. Um, we want to build our lives on you. Um, please be with us, yeah, throughout the rest of this day and into next week. Um, in Jesus' name, amen.